You're listening to a Living Word Family Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about Living Word Family Church, make sure to check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Now, on to the show. Well, here we are again. Podcast time, everybody. I'm Scott Millis, pastor of Living Word Family Church. With me in the studio today, of course, once again, the incomparable Matt Kreider, our Hello. youth director and tech guy, and Zach, all-around good guy, musician, Hello. and uh, jack-of-all-trades. What are we talking about today, Zach? Uh, well, Matt showed me a video. I think it's a good thing to talk about. It's by Simon Sinek. Yeah. He's a... Uh... Had you seen that before, Zach? Before no, I showed it to you, I had. Yeah. I found it. I had one of our um, the parent, uh, one of the parents of, of a couple of our students. I saw posted to Facebook, um, and this uh, this particular guy, uh, Simon Sinek, is a. I guess I would, I wouldn't categorize as a motivational speaker, almost like a leadership speaker. Right. Um, he does speaking at conferences and for businesses and uh, stuff like that. So, so He's I would build as a motivational speaker. On is that what? Oh, okay. But. Uh, but yeah, that video that you're talking about, I saw it too. It's been a while. It was making the rounds. It was pretty prevalent on Facebook for a while. Yeah, so I, that was the first time I'd seen it, like a week or two ago. Yeah, it was uh, just absolutely fascinating. And the question that was posed to him was, um, um, it's called the millennial question. You know, why are millennials? And it, he was answering it specifically from a standpoint of um, companies hiring millennials, hiring um, uh, young people from that were born from 1984 and after, I guess, would right. be categorized as the millennials. And so he was making several good points about how men- millennials have been raised um, this last two, you know, two decades or whatever. And it was just some excellent, excellent points. And I thought it'd be kind of, kind of neat to kind of break some of those down and talk about some of that from a, you know, from a biblical standpoint. Um, one of the, one of the, pillars that he talked about actually there were four pillars he talked about well let me well let me let me jump back he talked about how it was hard to manage manage millennials younger people because and he mentioned a handful of reasons because they they feel that they're entitled because they're you know they're um they think that they need everything right now kind of thing that the, they're kind of impatient and he mentioned a handful of others but one of the pillars he was basing this particular interview on this particular talk on um was parenting mm-hmm. um shoot the um, it was parenting um technology environment environment and man what was the fourth one it, um parenting technology environment and i think relationships yes okay it was. right and so he started off his talk talking about how you know, parents and I and I can attest to this because you know, even me growing up. Now I was I was born in the early 80, 81, so I'm, I'm probably just barely outside that millennial category. I think I was a Gen X or Gen Y or Counter whatever. Blessings. I, I don't know what they they give these names to all these various generations of of uh, of our population or whatever. But anyway, but I do remember you know growing up. You know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can. You know, you can accomplish anything. You can anything you set your mind to, you can do and stuff. And mm-hmm. and and really, when you, in all honesty, if you're be honest with yourself, that's just flat out not. That's just not true. Absolutely that's one of those biggest fallacies, you know. And but parents want to raise their kids to be positive and to be self assured and to be confident. And they want to, you know, everybody's a winner, nobody's a loser, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to give out actual letter grades anymore because that would let a kid know that they're not meeting up to standards, you know, that type of thing. And 
uh, you know, no trophies for the winners, everybody, or or a trophy for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. so these are some of the points that he was making. So, parenting was one of them, and um, just from a biblical aspect, obviously we know as Christians how incredibly important the family structure is, and how incredibly important parents are, um, just to to training up a child in the way they should go. Right. But not only that, but we also have to we also have to parent realistically right right i mean we know as parents our children are gifted or um predisposed with particular talents particular enjoyments particular passions or whatever and so i think as parents we do our kids a great disservice by telling them they can do anything they want to do and be anything they want to be when you know my son most likely will not be an nba basketball player you know because right now he can't jump harder than two inches off the ground (laughs) i think i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Grayson jumps higher than Logan at this point, <laughs> but it's just you know they're just they're built different. They're you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned basketball because I remember when Charles Barkley came out and just scandalized some people by saying, "Parents, stop telling your kids they can do whatever they want to do." Yeah, right. you know now a kid who's dedicated and practices can become a better basketball player or even a good basketball player. But all the work in the world is not going to make him an NBA level yep. basketball player if there isn't some inherent talent. Yes, right. You know, sorry, go ahead. I'll no, let you no. Well, and, and and biology. You know, you can have a lot of talent yes. and dedication, but yes. if you're only five feet tall, you're probably yes. not going to play in the NBA. Yes, so right. unless you're Muggsy Bose. <laughs> if if uh, I'll ask you who that is later. <laughs> Uh, one of the few names in basketball that I remember, and that's only because, Webb, uh, and that's only because, isn't wasn't Muggsy Bowes short too? You're asking the wrong guy. Have you ever seen a movie? It's a classic now, so you probably have seen it. A little movie called Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Oh, Best that's him. Ever. Yeah. Best movie. <laughs> have you ever. seen that? That's him in there. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Muggsy Bowes. Hmm. That's probably the only reason I know his name because he was in Space Jam. <laughs> he was in Space Jam. Anyway, please, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, just when we say you can be anything you want in this society, all we really should mean by that is our laws and right. our system are not going to preclude you from pursuing anything. Right. You know, yeah. we're not going to say, when we say that, we should, we, we should mean uh, the presidency um, uh, the, uh, of a company or the United States is not going to be banned to you because you are this gender, right. this color, whatever. Right. Uh, but it does not mean that, hey, you want to be an astronaut, you absolutely will be an astronaut if you just want it hard Yeah, enough. if you want it bad enough. Yep, and that was one of the other points that um, that Eric made was that, you know, that you think you can have anything you want simply because, because you, you want, want it. it. Right, right, right. But one of the other things, going back to um, biology, like um, people are predisposed to certain things, and this, was, this is just so neat. We've been really um, – what was it? The Rio Olympics were last year, right? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So we've been on we you know, we watched the Olympics or several different things, like the swimming, particularly gymnastics. Abigail is huge into gymnastics. Mm-hmm. She really liked Gabby Douglas and Simone Biles and just was like fascinated by their stories and by their their um uh, their their um athletic prowess and just it's amazing. If you ever take the time to just look, you look at all those swimmers, they are all built almost the same sure mm-hmm. lanky bodies long arms they Big they feet. are built yeah they are literally built to, to just swimmers. move in the water That's right. yep. now if you take simone biles who is extremely athletic but she's a short little thing with muscular arms 
Yeah. You throw her in the water, she's not going to go. I mean, she's not. She's athletic. She's strong. She's super fast on land. Right. And you see all the gymnasts. How are they built? They are all built very the same. Now, yep. you probably have a million kids go to gymnastics class, go to tumbling and do things. But by the time you get to that level, you've seen that not that, that, that people who were not disposed, predisposed with that body type, right. mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about dedication. Right. I mean, obviously, at that level, you have to be incredibly dedicated. Obviously, I'm talking about, but if you don't have the body type to support that type of um, uh, athletic event, gymnastics, right. swimming, basketball, whatever it is, you'll eventually, just by the process of elimination, be weeded out. That's right. Right. right? So as a child, when we say you can do whatever you want, be whoever you want, yeah. And they grow up and they can't be, then they're automatically they feel yeah. like something's wrong with them. Right. They feel like they're not cutting it. They right. feel like, and and in the terms of of a Christian, you know, they might feel like God isn't, you know, giving them the desires of their heart because they haven't attained that what they've always desired to do. Right. 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 Um. So anyway, so I just thought that was a fascinating point, and I think it really. I think as it, a parent, I think it's very true. I know just growing up. I just thought of this while you were talking. I I was probably in sixth or seventh grade, and I, for some reason, got in my mind that I wanted to go play baseball. And nice. I meant, yeah, I mentioned it to mom, and it's this is going to make her sound bad, but I really appreciate it. Right off the bat, she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. She's <laughs> like, you've never played baseball. You never did t-ball. These kids have been doing baseball, t-ball since they were kids. You've now, never done that. Now how old were you at the point? at this point? Uh, probably sixth or seventh grade, probably oh, seventh okay. grade. Okay. Yeah. So middle school. All right. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought, eh, you know what? I might try baseball. And so and she was like, you know, probably not a good idea. And <laughs> looking back, if she's probably right, if I would have gone out for baseball, I probably would have been extremely embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Just lack of knowledge. And so, you know. See, now I had a, I had a, I, I would say similar experience, but a lack of experience when I was, when I was a freshman in high school. Um, a lot of my guys that I knew and stuff were going to go out for football, right? And as a freshman, I was huge. Like yeah. a lot of the kids, I was I had an early gro- growth spurt or an early couple of growth spurts, so I was big. So I was lineman material all the way through, probably almost my junior year. And then by the time you got to senior year, we had a couple guys that were just monsters in high school wise, anyway. Yeah. And so I was kind of no longer that kind of big guy on the team anymore anyway but i had zero experience like i went into freshman football literally knowing nothing wow not only yeah. did i not and i never played peewee football i never played football i didn't even watch football like i knew nothing about it i knew what a ball was right and i had a very vague understanding of the game but i literally went into it knowing nothing <laughs> but i didn't go into it thinking i was going to be something i went into it because i wanted to be on the team with my friends it sounded like cool it was a, it was right. a right and for some reason, I played basketball all through middle school and was halfway decent um, for our small school. Um, I went to a small rural school, so we had like six Probably. guys on the team, and you played mm-hmm. the whole game, you know. But anyway, so I didn't. For some reason, I just didn't really care to do basketball. When I got to high school, I wanted to do something different. So I'm like, hey, why not? Let's give football a try because I was built for it at the time. And uh, and so yeah, but I knew I wasn't gonna. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm not going to college for football. I'm not gonna. You know, it was just something to do in right, high school, right. something to try out, and something to be involved in and to be a part of. Which I'm glad I did. It was awesome experience. But but yeah, I mean yeah. that's yeah. I think that's important as parents to to encourage your children to um, support them, but also to make sure that they're 
being realistic as well. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's right. Don't, the, don't, you you kind of touched on something important there, Matt, which was your your motivation for joining football. When I was uh, at that stage in life, there was no peewee football team. You didn't start uh, football. Nobody could start football until high school. Uh, so, and I was looking forward to that. A lot of my friends were talking about, well, when we're old enough to play football. Well, when I was old enough to play football, we moved out to Oklahoma where they had been playing since you oh, know, wow. first grade or whatever. Right. And where it's, uh, you know, state religion practically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama. I mean, these guys were into it and it was a school of uh, 2000 people. Well, I went out for football for one day and, uh, <laughs> I had no friends. I knew nobody on the team. You talked about uh, maybe being embarrassed because you didn't know some stuff. I right. knew nothing. And they're, they're lining up in positions. They're running plays. Second day of practice. And I just – because I started on the second day. And, uh, man, I just – now, didn't meet, they didn't kick me off the team. But I just did not have the drive. You know, I, there were no friends I wanted to be yeah. with. Yeah, right. I wasn't this – I didn't have this driving desire to play football. So – you know, I weighed it. You know, how bad do I want to play versus how much do I want to put up with this? Yeah. It's like just yeah, didn't, yeah, just didn't stick with it. But going back to like a, a small town program like St. Joe, you've had we've had some stars over the years. Yeah. But I think a lot of these, I don't know, I, I haven't done interviews or anything, but I think a lot of these kids had visions of grandeur because uh, they were a high school football star. Yeah, and kind of forgot for a moment what a small pond it is. You know, right, all for right. kids going out and having fun and working hard. They ought to be the best. But, yeah, but I've heard some things from parents over the years, like, "Oh, this is this is uh, this is my son's future." It's like, yeah, you got to be kidding. Right, <laughs> right. In fact, on my team, um, I've probably mentioned before, during the my four years in football, we went to state twice. Yeah. yeah, I think you he know, talked about that on the other podcast. I think I yeah. thought so, too. We went to state twice, which is an awesome experience, right? Right. Yeah. What? What but, are you going to say? You just go back to 1985. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was an awesome experience, and we had a couple of – one in particular um, – won't mention his name, but uh, for anybody that was kind of around and watched the games and stuff, then you probably know what I'm talking about. Just an amazing, um, I think, running back or whatever. Um, and just, I mean, this this guy could just get through anything. Like, they gave him the ball, and he was going. I, I mean, it was very rarely did you ever see him not gain. I mean, wow. it was just absolutely incredible. So I'm thinking out of anybody in my graduating class or the guys that played football, he's he's got, I mean, tons and tons of talent. And I remember a year or two after we graduated, it might have been that next football season, um, Ashley and I were at a game, and I ran into uh, this particular guy's dad. So I asked him, hey, how's you know so-and-so doing? How's your son doing? And, oh, he's doing great. He's going to such-and-such such college. And I said, oh, is he going for football? No, tennis. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what a minute, what? And I'm thinking to myself, he had to have at least had some scholarship offers. I mean, right. he was fantastic. He was an amazing athlete. Yeah. But it was almost like it was something he did because he was good at it, not because right. he was passionate about That's it. That's right. Huh. So when he ended up getting a scholarship, maybe it was better than the other scholarships, or maybe right. he didn't get football scholarships. I don't know. Right. But he ended up accepting a scholarship because it was a college that he wanted to go to, doing what he wanted to do, but it was for tennis. So he just right. played tennis. He was just a natural athlete, yeah. and that's what he did. So it was kind of like, man, that's just – Wow! Yeah. I just, it was hilarious. I just, I'll just never forget. It. Wait, what do you mean? What tennis? Yeah. What are you talking about <laughs> tennis? It was just so funny to me. So, huh. yeah, yeah. So, back to the millennial question right. and how this plays in. You know how much yeah, that 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 mindset. You know, 
I was raised believing I can do what I want, well, what I want. And I can remember, I was just watching a little bit of it. It's been a while since I've seen that whole clip. But if you ask a millennial what they want when they show up for the job or what, you know, during the job interview, what do I want? They've got a list. There's some things they want. Man, you know what I wanted when uh, at my job interview? I wanted a job. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> a job. And, and I don't want to sound like the crotchety old man. Back when I was a kid, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd sweep floors <laughs> with a toothbrush, and I was glad to get to work. That's Uphill not what I'm both ways. About. I swept yeah. the whole store for a nickel. That, that's right. But uh, it, <laughs> an entry-level job, you know, because he didn't specify, and maybe he, he got into it later. Maybe these are college graduate. He did. He specified. I think so. He said they came out of school and they're at their entry level job for whatever they went to school for, whatever. I'm assuming. Right. Okay. So, Uh, but yeah, I mean, still the the expectations are obviously a little bit uh, different from I think what the what the employer is ready to offer. And we're not just talking salary. We're, you know, it's. I think a lot of people forget that that at the end of the day, if you've got a job you enjoy, that's a bonus. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, a job is to make money. And yeah, that's what yeah. that's what it's for. Yeah, and at the end of the day, and I've also heard this said. Now, this is the only part where I kind of, I kind of swerve away from some of his points towards the end when he mentions environment, the environment that millennials come up in or that they work in, um, because of the way they were raised. It was almost like he was almost putting pretty much everything on the company. To correct some of these social wrongs, uh, like don't oh, yeah, let your yeah. which we haven't talked about yet, but we'll get into that. I think that should be a lot of what we talk about. But the the technology, social media, and your phones and stuff like that. You know, they shouldn't allow phones in the office place for this and that reason, which we'll go over in a second. They shouldn't. You know, they should um, help individuals build their social skills and stuff like that. And, I'm, and 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 I take a step back, and as soon as I heard him start talking about that, I'm like, I can I can see some merit there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are some companies that really do a good job of fo- focusing on the individual, right? and that's fantastic if that's part of their business model and if that's part of what they want their culture to be, their company, their corporate culture to be. That's awesome. But that's not what a company is there for. A right. company is not, not there exactly. for correcting your social ills. A company is there to provide a good or service for the community the population whatever right the world you know if we've got some of these huge huge companies and they're they just need they need people to do what they need to do whether well, it's a, a pencil pusher or whether it's somebody on a factory line whatever the case is and that and you're there to earn money for your family well you know? and what's going to dictate whether the companies invest that kind of time and money into making those developments we are going to train you in social skills we're going to train you to operate without a phone whatever uh, what's going to dictate that is is the job market and the and the pool of potential employees they have to draw from. Right, I, right. I can't help but think that in this particular moment in the economy, my uh, approach as a boss would probably be more like, you know what, I'd rather just find the guy who's got those social skills. I can afford to be a little pickier when right. I'm hiring right. rather than take somebody with a lot of demands and have to not just train them to do the job, but train them to relate to people. And Right. Well, That's very true. when you talk about doing like the company putting in the extra work where the parents or society, whatever has failed, how much more is that feeding the millennials, you know, narcissism as he puts it or entitlement you know it's like then they're just gonna think okay well i don't you know i don't know how to work without my phone i don't know how to have meaningful deep relationships so that's your job now as my employer well no it's not it was yeah it's ultimately it's 
it starts with the parents, obviously. Right, it absolutely. starts with the environment, like event, especially in like in a church. It starts with the parents first and foremost. You know, Sunday school teachers, stuff like that. But then it's also a lot about yourself. It's about if you're going, if you care enough, if you care enough That's to right. work without your phone, you're going to make an effort to work without your phone. It's, it so. starts with the parents. You're right, but we've got to be really careful with that for a couple of reasons. The one is. Uh, I don't want to give anybody an excuse in life to say, well, I could have been a success except I wasn't raised right. Because right. thank God there are, there are hundreds of examples, stories, books, movies about people who did not have the advantage of good parenting but made some good choices oh, later yeah. in life. Oh, yeah, totally right. Yeah, um, and then there's the flip side. People have great parents, but then they don't. And they, still, yep. and they make yep. bad choices. Right. Yep. For, that's uh, very true. Yep, that's right, for silly reasons. Um, I think – Going back a few generations, I've talked about this before, but uh, part of, of what's playing into this is not, obviously no parent decides, well, I think I'm going to raise my child to be narcissistic, self-centered, and entitled. What they want is a better life for their child than they had, just right. like Very their true. parents gave yep. them. You know, start going back, certainly before that, but but you take the the people who came of age during the Depression went off to World War II, came back to a completely different world, the quote-unquote greatest generation. They built the world that we essentially still live in today. And they were dedicated to providing things for their family that they didn't have growing up. Uh, and so the next generation came up in a life of relative ease. Now, some of that translated into a real, I don't know if you'd call it an existential angst. You know, what is what they were missing was purpose. Okay, right. we have this wealth, we have this uh, safety, all this stuff. What's my purpose in life? You know, is it just to, to get more stuff? And ki kids were disillusioned. Mm -hmm. And so they turned to drugs. They turned to a number of things that were unhealthy. And many of them turned to Christ uh, out of that. It's like, you know, we're looking for ultimate purpose. Here's where right. we found it. Unfortunately, right. a lot of them turned away from Christ because church and Christianity was sort of shoehorned into was, this. Yeah. And it was part of that kind of, you know... Antiseptic um, American dream. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. And then, well, see, and then you get from that generation, that's when you get the the um, counter-cultural, counter-authoritarian uh, counter revolution that was the, you know, 50, uh, 60s and 70s. That's right. With Woodstock and all this stuff and people rising up, and they found their purpose. You know, some, you get the... Um, uh, Oh, Jesus freaks or whatever right. of the, right. the same Jesus culture. Jesus people, right. Jesus people, right. But you also got, I think, probably the the even more so, or at least more so that you hear about the movies were made of and the documentaries were made of these people who were counterculture, were fighting against the government, against the war in right. Vietnam and all right. this stuff. And that was their purpose. That's right. Protest was their purpose. Right. That's right. And so they found a purpose in that because... Well, and there were some things they were protesting against that, that, that were legitimate. I, oh, I sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But you're but, right. There's a difference between saying this is my purpose and protest itself being right. my purpose. Right, right. Uh, and then you got the the very confusing era of the mid-'70s, I think, and then the big cultural counter-counter-revolution with the Reagan years. Yep. You know, return to strong conservatism. And this idea, which is kind of back to what we were talking about, uh, it's not that this is given to you, not that you're entitled, but it was – the idea of you know the, a resurgence of the Protestant work ethic, as they used to call it, or a pure meritocracy. Uh, you get out of America exactly what you put into it. You get out of life exactly what you put into it. There obviously is an element of truth to that. But I think it needs talked about a little bit as Christians. Does this idea of a meritocracy, 
run counter to the gospel because I think it does. Um, I mean, number one, just looking at it from a pure, you know, leave religion out of it for a second. Yeah, you get out of it what you put into it, but there are people, there are so many variables in terms of just plain luck. Uh, Yeah, right. Go back to a story I think I told on an earlier podcast about, you know, Grandpa, tell me how you made, how did you become a millionaire? Well, uh, I bought a pencil. Somebody gave me a penny. I bought a pencil. I went out the next day. I I sold that penny, that pencil for two pennies. So I went and bought two pencils. And then the next day, uh, my father died and I inherited $10 million. (laughs) So uh, there's a combination of factors there. But the idea of a meritocracy, if you look back at the law, uh, if you do this, I will make, you know, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success if you keep the law. Uh, but as we are discovering, I think little by little on Sunday mornings, there was it was it, there's a great big dirty secret there. You can never do all this. Right. Uh, we yep. don't, as Christians, live in a meritocracy. What every blessing that we enjoy, we enjoy because Jesus paid for it right. at the cross. And there's yep. and there's an entitlement there, a healthy entitlement mentality, meaning I am entitled to this, but not because just because I have inherent value I'm as a person, yeah. but because. Jesus, I'm entitled to anything somebody bought me. Right. If it's if my name's on it, and 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 my name is on it, Jesus, right. Jesus secured those things for me, and so yeah. yeah. How much does that translate to? I deserve a good job. None of that, you know. There's see, and that's right. what right, right. So how do you, you know, where do you draw the line between just standing in faith for something and then working for something? I think you do both. You, you do. do. You both. absolutely yeah. do. So James says, faith without works is dead. And Absolutely so you, right. You've got to work your faith. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Work you, it out. Yep. Work it out. You've got to stand in faith. You've got to stand on the word of God, but you also got to get your hands dirty and do the work. That's right. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the other things that Eric mentioned in his uh, this particular video we're talking about. You keep saying Eric. You mean yeah, Simon? is his name I'm Simon? I'm so sorry. Eric? I did. It's Simon Sinek. Sorry. Simon I don't Sinek. keep saying Eric. Apologize. Think, yeah. Simon. One of the other Simon. things that he mentioned was, <clears throat> and I like to spend the last few minutes talking about it because it's something that affects me too and affects our students. Um, that we deal with on a weekly basis there in youth group and or young people just in general right um, is this thing of technology social media mm-hmm. and um, this instant gratification of being able to um, have your phone or device or whatever right there with you for information for the latest update on what your friends are doing the latest yep. as we all as we all have our phones right out. hey That's mine's right. sitting over there on the chair and oh, it's silence so yours is three feet away <laughs> uh but um but yeah no that's something that we've been dealing with and one of the, the one of the, pain, the the primary points that he made with it is that um it has become uh, you know our attachment to these devices become an addiction mm-hmm. yeah has become an addiction, and that is so so true because mm-hmm. you just get you just become such a habitual thing to have it with you, to look at it, to see it. To, yeah. You get a notification like, "Oh, what's that? Did somebody text me? Did somebody right. whatever?" Right. And uh, and 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 speaking primarily to young people, um, to you know, to uh, yes, millennials, but you know, um, high schoolers, college kids, young adults that rely on and and get their value or their worth from how many people have liked their post or how many people have liked their picture or how many people have friended them or how many people have accepted their friend or whatever you know whatever the case is it's almost like if you don't get enough man i'm not good enough and um or they put filters on some of this thing to let everybody know they have an awesome life when they are just depressed right you know and um and this is something that that has become a real um, a real issue in our culture today is something that we need to deal with, especially with our with our 
students, you know, right. with the kids in our church, with young adults in our church, and even some adults in our church. I mean, my, me, myself, I have to really make a conscious effort, you know, not to have my phone in hand all the time because it's just gotten to be such a habit, you know, mm. um, checking emails or texts from family, students, texts from whatever, you know, it's just, uh, it's really become, you have to make a conscious effort to simplify and put put it yeah, away a little bit right. and so um but he had mentioned he made the comment about building relationships and how hard it has become because you're so tight at his phone he's um you know and i've seen this happen you know on a on a wednesday night or anytime i'm around young people even you know when i go to the high school for lunch and meet some of our kids for lunch i'll see other kids they're sitting at the table right across from each other just on their phones seen it a million times yeah see it and you and 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 I've seen kids bonding over a game they might be playing together. Sure, I and but I get that. I get I, it. What's being lost is is uh, the art of conversation. Yes. Exactly, and he I think that, yeah. imagination. Um, yes, they absolutely. don't have to. You know, I, I I'm kind of torn because uh, I was a big fan of reading. Still, I'm a big fan of reading. I mean, reading books, stories as a, as a child, you had to imagine these things. Uh, there were certain things you just couldn't do with the movies. Now. If one person can imagine it, he can throw his imagination up on a screen in, yeah. in, in, yeah. with a degree of accuracy that doesn't require me to imagine anything. Right, right. Uh, and so, and we've lost something there as a result. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get mad about it because I enjoy seeing the product no, I of somebody agree. else's and I imagination. Do, and I but. do, too. And one of his other points is, or, or excuse me, one of the things I think about listening to him talking about this kind of stuff is that it's a constant connection. Right. It's like, you know, when there's downtime, I'm on my phone. Yeah. If I'm waiting in line, I'm on my phone. If I'm, you know, uh, you know, if I drop Ashley off at the store, she just goes in to grab a couple quick groceries and, you know, I'm just waiting in the car. I'm on my phone. Yeah. Because rather than sitting there and actually pondering life or rather than sitting there, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm doing something. I'm either playing a game or checking email or whatever the case is. And it's a constant connection. So your mind is constantly active. Right. Constantly active. And you're not really, um, you're not really, you're not, your mind's not wandering, you know? Right. Some of the, some of the funnest ideas that I've had for, I don't know if anybody else does this. Maybe I'm just a freak. I don't know. But, um, if I'm on the treadmill or if I'm working out or doing something, if I'm just listening to music, but my mind's kind of wandering, you know, oh, I'm yeah. not really plugged in with the lyrics right. or anything. I'm just working out. My, I will actually start imagining fun music videos to that video. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. just You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm, and I'll, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had the ability to do that, to actually make this video come up because it would be oh, so yeah. cool with this song. you know. But, but my mind's not actively engaged with taking in and processing information. Right. I'm simply listening to a fun tune or a, a beat, and I'm working out, and so my mind's just kind of wandering, and you come up with some fun, creative ideas right. when you allow your mind to do that. But because of these devices, we don't allow our minds to do that. It's we're like always seeing somebody else's right. vision. Yes, yes. Yep, that's right. So, um, but now the devices, you know, again, it, it's uh, I, I don't play a lot of games on mine. So if I'm, you know, if I'm grabbing a taco or a hamburger in the car between errands, I've got my device, but I'm I'm probably reading the news or something. Right. Whereas right. in the old days, I might be reading the newspaper. Right. So right. I'm, I'm still reading, but. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean. Yeah, if I want to listen to a song or, or why, if you bring it up on YouTube, I'm watching their interpretation of it. Same way, when I was a kid, I put on a record, closed my eyes, and I, you know, when I was little, I mean, imagine, wow, I pretend that I was the one singing that song or something. Yeah, like or mm-hmm. I pretend I was the one in the yellow submarine. That's right. <laughs> That's a little before me. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for joining us today. We're going to wrap it up there, and um, we hope you join us next time for the Living Word Family Cast.